Important parts of the Eurodollar collateral system are starting to send some pretty strong warning signs here. I've talked about the Japanese government bills. That's kind of where it all started, at least this latest iteration of it started. But there's also other parts of the system. And when I mention global collateral, you oftentimes think, well, that's treasuries and treasury bills, and that's an important part of it. But global collateral and function in the global collateral system oftentimes begins and goes in other places, like Japanese government bills, but also something like Italian government bonds too. All of these pieces fit together in a euro dollar fabric that often goes through and is intermediated by U.S. dealers doing U.S. dealer activities that we need them to do to maintain euro dollar function. And among that is collateral flows, recirculation, all of that good stuff. So it's not necessarily about U.S. treasuries. Sometimes we see collateral problems begin in other outer parts, let's say, of the euro dollar system that can then spill over across the entire whole. So we have to pay attention to more than just U.S. treasuries for warnings about what may be going wrong or where stresses might be building up in the overall global system. As I mentioned, Japanese government bills, that's a big one, and Italian government bonds, because Italian government bonds over the last half decade or so, really going back a little bit further than that, they have become an important part of the overall euro dollar system, not just the euro denominated secured lending, uh, lending system, but the entire euro dollar framework. Because first of all, Italian government bonds are the most plentiful source of government bonds in euro denominated collateral, but that also means it's crucially important to the operation of European banks. And as we know, European banks are a huge part of the euro dollar system. So already, if there's an issue with the biggest form of collateral in euro denominated terms, that's going to be an issue for European banks, therefore a source of potential problems and frictions for the entire euro dollar system. But in specifically in, re, with regard to Italian bonds and euro-denominated debt, Italian bonds, because there are so many more of them and because of the way the euro system actually is put together, it's highly fragmented and highly segmented where Italian bonds during reflationary periods or decent periods or periods of relaxation of monetary stress and strain, they get treated with the other core bonds, such as German buns or uh, French oats or uh, similar, similar core issues like those. But during periods of rising strain, this huge chunk of what used to be core government bond collateral starts to get transformed. It starts to, start to, be, it starts to be perceived in the same way as some of the other peripheral bonds. And because the European debt, uh, debt system is highly segmented when Italian bonds start to be look start to be reevaluated in the same way as say Portugal or Greek bonds that causes enormous stress and strain because there just there isn't enough other core quote unquote bonds around, available to absorb that transformation and we know that Italian bonds are being treated as core bonds when the spreads to Germany or French bonds is relatively relatively low and easy. And then when the spreads start to go in the opposite direction as they are now, that means Italians are starting to be trouble again. 
So we've got Italian bonds. We've got Japanese government bills that made a huge move again today. We've got U.S. dealers in between all of these. We've got U.S. dollar indications that back up both of what we're seeing in Japan and Italy. We've got a lot of collateral stuff to go over today, but first... I'm Jeff. This is Eurodollar University. Thank you very much for joining me. Eurodollar University, I'll be having another webinar coming up on Friday, October 20th. There will be a link in the description below this video or below me or somewhere around this video. Link to sign up for that webinar. Though I haven't quite figured out exactly what the topic will be. It's very likely if things continue to go as they are, we'll either be talking about what's going on in the bond market, the sell-off there, or maybe why we should pay more attention to Italy, German spreads, and Japan. How do all of these collateral things actually fit together? That would be a good topic for a webinar too. So stay tuned on the exact topic, but the date will be October 20th. That's a Friday, a couple Fridays away. I hope to see you there because the first one was really good and really fun and a lot of people showed up. So look forward to doing it again on October 20th. Stay tuned for the topic. So that's one of the things that we saw back in 2018, for example, during that deflationary changeover, Italian bonds, which had been treated as core European core, euro-denominated collateral back in, say, 2017, and really coming out of the European sovereign crisis earlier in the decade. But around 2018, that started to change, and we saw a massive blowout in Italian spreads in the middle of 2018, specifically May 2018. And if you remember May 2018, that was a key moment in what we call Eurodollar number four, including May 29th, which was a massive collateral day that had a lot to do with Italian government bonds that spilled over all over the Eurodollar system so that by the time we got to October, November, and December, we had massive deflationary money erupt all, all throughout the global reserve currency. Italian government bonds, their spreads, they become crucially important during those types of periods, including last fall, if you remember, the European energy crisis. Uh, we had the core versus periphery breakdown in government bonds there. The ECB had to get involved with their, what do they call it, the anti-fragmentation program that didn't work at all. Big surprise, right? So that by the time we got to August and September and October of 2022, the Italian-German spread had blown way out, causing collateral havoc far and wide all throughout the system, including we we saw it in U.S. Treasury bills, a shortage of, the, of those. We had German bonds in particular. Even the ECB admitted last fall was about a collateral shortage, and it started in Italy. Uh, Japanese government bills. All of the gang got together last fall for the energy crisis. And that's kind of where we're starting today. Let's go back to Japan because that's, that's where this latest trend really started to show up. It really showed up most clearly. And that was back in the middle of August. And I even talked about this in a video where I said, hey, there's something going on in Japanese government bills, the three-month bill in particular. That yield, which had been rising, which is a good sign here, uh, relaxation of collateral strain. So Japanese government bill yields had been rising until around August 9th. Then they, they turned around and moved lower. And as they moved lower, it was one of those things where you say, okay, we're going to put that in the back burner and we're going to come back to that if it continues to go in that direction. And boy, did it. At the end of August, and I did a video on this on August 28th, the Japanese bill yield, which had been modestly moving lower through the middle part of August, suddenly turned, it, it just collapsed, it sank 
down to around minus 30 basis points or so, which was consistent with August, September, and October 2022. But the thing was, and I said this at the time, it was only Japanese government bill yields that were signaling collateral strain. There wasn't the usual corroboration in things like T-bills, for example, that suggested that this was a systemic issue. It was more of, hey, there's something going on here. Let's keep an eye on it and see if other things develop. Well, with the clarity of hindsight, we can see that there were other warning signs that have been developing in the background that just weren't as visible as Japanese government bill yields. So the Japanese government bill yields were the first, most, the, the clearest warning sign something was amiss here. And since then, we've seen others. And since then, we've also seen the three-month Japanese bill yield plummet again. So it went way down at the end of August and came back, but only partway through into September. And then we get to the middle of September, September 15th in, in, specifically, imagine that, the Japanese government bill yield starts to go down again. Uh, by this September 20th, it was back to minus 20 basis points. September 29th, we're down to minus 22. And as of today, as I'm speaking to you right now, the three-month bill from Japan, minus 30 0.3 basis points. So we're back to where we were at the end of August, and it's the same as where the Japanese bill yield was last fall. If it was just Japanese bill yields, that would be one thing. I mean, that would be concerning enough. As we, I mean, we were concerned in August when I said it. Um, concerned again in September as the yields didn't really normalize and they started to get weaker again, and now minus 30. That suggests there's something serious going on. But where? And what does it actually mean? Well, let's go back to Italy. Let's go back to Italy-German spread. And when we see these spreads rise, as I mentioned, that's a suggestion, that's a hint, that's a, that's a strong warning at times like these, that the Italians' bonds are being not necessarily rejected, but they're being revalued. They're being reevaluated and revalued such that Maybe they start to be treated more like core or peripheral bonds, not core bonds, and that causes enormous strain across the rest of the, that part of the collateral system that then can spill over. Because Italian BTPs, more just talking about direct links to the euro dollar system, Italian BTPs can be swapped not just into German bonds during times of stress, but also to U.S. treasuries. And it may be that a lot of European entities are using Italian BTPs as a means to gain U.S. Treasury collateral to then borrow in U.S. dollar markets. So there is a more direct link between Italian, Italian debt and uh, U.S. dollar funding. But even more than that, maybe the big problem here is that European domiciled U.S. dollar providers, those high-rated European issuers who are borrowing U.S. dollars and then relending in swaps to U.S. dealers who then relend to places like Japan, those European issuers, they also have high degree of sensitivity to euro-denominated collateral like Italian BTPs because as they provide those dollars they just borrowed from, say, a euro bond to U.S. dealers, they're swapping them back into their home currency, in this case, euros. And what they really want is safe, liquid euro-denominated collateral because they're making so much money on the dollar-providing activities. This is something I talked about in a recent video on FX markets. So if they're swapping back into euros and want only safe liquid euros, if they had swapped back into, say, Italian BTPs, 
and suddenly Italian BTP spreads rise, it creates a potential problem and friction in that part of the dollar providing activities of European financials. So there's several different ways in which Italian bonds or Italian bonds to bonds, the Italian bond to bond spread tells you that there's something going on. And there's several different ways in which that, that, that Italian issue can become a global collateral issue. Again, just to, to review here, you've got You've got the direct funding issues among European banks. You've got collateral for collateral swaps between BTPs and, say, U.S. Treasuries. And I think the biggest problem is you have Euro, Euro swap providers that are providing dollars in FX markets who are concerned about the collateral when they bring the euros back home. So they're providing dollars, they're getting euros, want the collateral in euros so that they provide the dollars. And if they don't have the collateral in euros, they're not as, 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 as confident about Italian BTPs as they were before. They don't swap into dollars. They have to factor the cost into dollar provide. Maybe they don't provide as many dollars as they used to. So you see all of these negative signals potentially spill over from Italian debt into U.S. dollar and U.S. dealer intermediaries and eventually maybe even to places like Japan. And that's where we get into some more corroboration because got not only Japanese government bill yields that have really plummeted here. We've got Italian to German spreads that have risen substantially, especially in August, but really in September. Well, look at the Italian spread over Germany. That was 158 basis points around uh, late July. It moved up into the 160s and 170s around mid-August, uh, but really September is where it started to blow, and in particular after September 15th. So the Italian-German spread, I'm just using the 10-year spread here, was 159 basis points on September 15th. Then it suddenly jumped up, or it was actually 159 basis points on September 14th. Then suddenly jumped up to 180 on September 15th. And by September 27th, which you should remember, September 27th was the anniversary of last year's big fireworks, not in the UK gilt market, but in European collateral markets. September 27th of 2023, the Italian to German spread jumped to almost 200 basis points. So telling us that there's problems going on in the Euro denominated collateral part of the global Euro dollar system that relates to Italian BTPs, but it doesn't, it's not just limited to Italians. So the Italian spread corresponds, and now we can really see it, the Italian spread corresponds to what we've been saying and what we've been seeing in Japanese government bills. And in between, U.S. dealers and U.S. dollars and U.S. dollar swaps. Not necessarily FX swaps. In this case, interest rate swaps, which are a measure of dollar sufficiency as well as collateral perceptions. And so U.S. dollar swap spreads, this is another indication I've been talking about too. That one corresponds pretty strongly with these others. So rising Italian-German spreads, collateral problems over in Europe, Rise or falling Japanese government bill yields down this way. That's collateral problems, not necessarily about yen, but Japanese banks as they participate in the global euro dollar system. Problems in Europe, Europe, European dollar providers. Problems in Japan, Japanese dollar redistributors, redistributors, redistributors. And in the middle, U.S. dollar interest rate swaps telling us about U.S. dealer intermediation, balance sheet, capacities. 
And so U.S. dollar swap spreads have been compressing again. That's not a good sign. That's a, that's a sign that the dealers have limited capacities. That's a sign the dealers are looking at collateral and thinking, I need more of it or I need better quality collateral. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a potential indication of issues with global collateral. And in particular, the 10-year U.S. Treasury or U.S. dollar interest rate swap spread, which is the U.S. dollar interest rate swap fixed leg over its same maturity U.S. Treasury, that spread, which is now we're using SOFR spreads, but either way, that spread has been negative, and it's become more negative since late July. 10-year swap spread in particular has corresponded with everything I just said in Japanese government bills, as well as Germany to Italian spreads or Italian to German spreads. And it goes back to late July, July 24th. The 10 year spread dropped considerably between July 24th and August 9th, which seems to have triggered something in Japanese government bills. And then the 10 year spread came back a little bit, but then August 28th, we see the 10 year US dollar interest rate swap spread. That one drops pretty substantially at the same time the Japanese government bill yield drops. And since then, throughout September, it's just been one negative indication after another, especially later in the month, alongside rapidly rising Italy to German spreads since September 15th, since around September 20th or so, the 10-year swap spread has been dropping pretty considerably. So that's corroboration too. And it's also the 30-year interest rate swap spread, which has likewise followed along though, to a lesser degree up until the end of September. Again, you see July 24th show up there. On Friday, the 30-year swap spread became the most negative it had been since May, whereas the 10-year swap spread on Friday was the most negative it had been since January. You're starting to get all these indications back together where it looks a lot more like September, October, 2022. We got the Italy to Germany spread, Japanese government bills, US dollar interest rate swap spreads. What we're missing is treasuries and treasury bills, which is a separate issue. I'll talk about that in a future upcoming video. But apart from treasury bills and apart from treasury supply, which is really what that is, we've got all the other ingredients for a rerun of last year's energy crisis. That's what may be behind all of these collateral warning signs, just like it was last year. Because think about what an energy crisis means. Rising oil, first of all, means higher economic and financial risks, which not going to make dealers happy, not going to make dollar providers happy, going to make them want to provide less dollars, make them want to be more picky and more more careful about the collateral that they choose, either in a transformation, securities lending, or just and how they operate their own business. Maybe they want to keep more collateral for themselves. So higher oil prices already risk, but also think about what higher oil prices mean to certain parts of the world, like Europe and like Japan. It means they're going to need more funding to buy oil that they don't produce themselves. And in many cases, in fact, most cases, they're going to need dollars to do it. So rising oil prices, economic risk, financial risk, funding risk to buy the oil. At the same time, dollar providers become much more risk averse, potentially risk averse. Collateral looks a lot different and it leads to this growing toxic mix. Collateral insufficiency, dealers cutting back on their activities, global dollar shortage. 
What happens in one part of the eurodollar collateral system doesn't necessarily stay in that part of the eurodollar collateral system because of the way it operates and because it's because there's so much intricate linkage between all of these different pieces. The eurodollar fabric, as Emil once call it, called it, it means that it can spill over everywhere and it becomes an issue for even a place like the U.S. where treasury bills might be in plentiful supply, but dealer capacities are not. If you want to see more about Japanese government bills and how they fit into this euro dollar system, check out that video I did in August. It's at the link below me. As always, I thank you very much for joining me. Huge thank you, Eurodollar University subscribers and our Eurodollar University members, some of whom you see over here. And until next time, take care.